Herzlich Willkommen zum Modellansatz, der mathematische Podcast aus Karlsruhe mit Gudrun Täter und Sebastian Ritterbusch. Today I'm talking to Polixeni Spigliotti. Her name is Greek, but she um, is in Denmark and Aarhus at the moment. I'm again in my living room and we are talking across the computer screen to each other. But um, I still hope it will be a nice conversation and you people who will listen will not really feel that we are distanced from each other. Uh, you are working in mathematics and your topic is a spectral geometry. So maybe um, you could start our conversation with explaining what, geome uh, what spectral geometry is in your world. Right. Hi, and uh, thank you very much uh, for your invitation. Uh, I'm very happy to have uh, this conversation with you. Um, right, so my field is uh, spectral geometry, um, which is, uh, in my opinion, at least a very interesting uh, topic with uh, several branches in other fields uh, of mathematics and many applications, especially, I think, in mathematical physics. So what is spectral geometry? What is this field? Uh, this field has to do with uh, uh, the relation between uh, the geometries, a uh, geometry of manifolds, and uh, the spectrum of certain uh, differential operators, such as the Laplace operator. Uh, in particular, uh, I think that uh, people in the field of spectral geometry, they're very much familiar with this famous, famous question, uh, can one hear the shape of a drum? Uh, which, of course, uh, nowadays there are several variations of this uh, question. Um, so the idea of uh, the spectral geometry is... Um, how one can obtain information about the geometry of a manifold, uh, such as uh, the volume, the curvature, or other information, uh, provided uh, that we have some information uh, about the spectrum of certain um, differential uh, operators. Um, uh, for example, a, a topic, a key, to a key topic in this field is uh, trace formulas. So these are formulas that uh, on the one uh, side there is a, a, the spectral side, which is um, the side that provides some information about uh, this spectrum of uh, some differential operators. And the other side is the geometrical side, and there are information about the geometry, such as, for example, uh, the lengths of uh, the closed geodesics uh, on a manifold. So, in a way, we go from the one side to the other side and we play uh, with these uh, formulas. Um, moreover, me, I'm studying um, uh, the dynamical zeta functions of uh, Ruel and Selberg, uh, which are zeta functions uh, of uh, complex variables, say, but uh, they have to do with uh, dynamics and uh, the geodesic uh, flow. Um, so this is a this is a rich field, and uh, one can do many things uh, using different techniques from uh, either from dynamics, either from harmonic analysis on symmetric spaces, or more uh, representation theory of uh, groups. Yes, maybe 
um, as mathematicians talking to each other, of course, I know what a ma um, manifold is and I know what spectral properties of operators are. But we could take a moment to explain this uh, a little bit clearer. So what um, is a manifold in your sense? What is a manifold in my sense? All right. So me, I'm dealing more with hyperbolic manifolds, which means that uh, there are these um, geometrical objects uh, that are of uh, negative curvature, so they're negatively curved. Um, moreover, I'm dealing with uh, local symmetric spaces. Uh, so there are some certain properties uh, concerning symmetry and geometry. Um, these uh, local symmetric spaces are quotients of Rayleigh groups. So, for example, one can consider uh, the special orthogonal groups, take uh, a specific quotient, and then concern, uh, considering um, a discrete subgroup uh, in my main group, a lattice. Uh, and then uh, this quotient of the, of the list, these Lie groups is a locally symmetric space. Uh, these are very interesting spaces because uh, there are Lie groups involved. And uh, one can, can consider representations of these Lie groups and uh, do what we say harmonic analysis or, and represent, using representation theory on these uh, uh, spaces. Um, I think me, I'm very much motivated uh, concerning these topics because uh, there are many, many topics, many areas combined in the sense that one can study Lie groups, representation theory of Lie groups, one can study geometry the underlying geometry of these uh, locally symmetric spaces. And uh, one can consider object, objects as the dynamical zeta functions and, uh, and uh, see some very interesting uh, results. So the interesting part is that uh, somehow there are many areas of mathematics involved for me. And this means that, of course, you have to know a lot of things, but you also have a lot of tools available. Exactly. Tools exactly. which which are tools from the uh, corresponding fields. Exactly. Yes. Um, and so if persons never heard about spectral representation, you can think about uh, matrices, which um, most of you have met in um, studies where mathematics is involved, even as engineers. And if you want to understand what a matrix is doing as a linear operator, you learn about eigenvalues. And the eigenvalues tell you really what the matrix is doing, no matter in which way so it, it is represented. So what is the basis behind the matrix? And you can translate this um, idea that you want to understand the properties of an operator with the help of eigenvalues. And um, if the operator is complicated enough, you don't have these discrete eigenvalues, but you have even more information. And we collect this under the name spectral representation, spectral properties, But this means you really understand the core of what the operator is really doing, no matter how it is represented. Right. And uh, I think it's very important uh, and it's very nice also how the geometry is involved. For example, if one has a differential operator and wants to study the, the spectrum, meaning, as you said, like studying the eigenvalues, the set of the eigenvalues, or, yeah, um, which, of course, like uh, is sort of a, a generalization of this um, eigenvalues for a matrix. But now we have a, an operator, a differential operator. And uh, an interesting thing is, for example, uh, that in the case that we have a compact manifold, something compact, a geometrical object that is uh, compact, uh, then we know, for example, that uh, we have discrete eigenvalues, whereas if we have a, a non-compact uh, manifold, non-compact case, might be continuous uh, spectrum, which is 
more difficult and more interesting at the same time. I mean, even if RN, if we take RN, then uh, the spectral analysis is not always easy. So, yes. Um, and of course, in a way, it's also translatable to uh, trying to understand matter because there also you're doing a spectral analysis in order to understand what types of materials are in your combined material. And so we do the same, even under the same name that we say it's a spectrum um, to understand what the operator is doing. And then, of course, the operator always has to work together with the geometry of the domain and together with other things like boundary values, if you, if you have a boundary in your manifold right. or not. Boundary makes it even more complicated. <laughs> me, I, it's even more. Uh, me, in general, I'm, I'm, I'm standing manifold Uh, with no boundary of negative curvature, uh, like hyperbolic manifolds, and uh, uh, also locally symmetric spaces in uh, some more um, extent. Um, right. I'm also concerning spectral analysis. Uh, there are several uh, objects uh, that, um, several, maybe one object that I'm studying is uh, the analytic torsion, which is an invariant, a spectral invariant. And has to do, I mean, it's defined uh, via the spectral, um, the spectrum of um, elliptic oper differential operators such as the Laplace operator. And it's defined in a specific way. And it's a very interesting uh, object uh, in our field. Uh, since, again, we play in the field of spectral geometry in the sense that there are certain um, problems related to uh, how geometrical objects or dynamical objects as, such as the dynamical zeta functions are related to this spectral invariant, which is defined via the spectrum, uh, only that of, uh, say, the Laplace operator. So um, this uh, object, the analytic torsion and the dynamical zeta functions, um, they're interesting topics and uh, there are questions related to them. Uh, to the people that uh, they are more familiar with these topics, um, They're probably aware of the so-called Freed's conjecture, which, roughly speaking, is to relate uh, um, um, the real zeta function, so a dynamical zeta function at zero, with this spectral invariant, the analytic torsion. Very roughly speaking. <laughs> yes. Uh, people will have heard about torsion as a mechanical property. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> um, as a mechanical property, property, well, I'm not sure if how is it related or if it is related uh, or it's just um, yeah the same name. Um, but I'm pretty sure that uh, all these topics are related to mathematical physics. This is very clear to me. I mean, uh, analysis on hyperbolic manifolds, spectral analysis, spectral geometry. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't have a specific example or paper for that, but I'm pretty sure that it's uh, there are topics related in mathematical physics. Yeah, because these names always come from ideas in the head of the person who was studying this for the first time. And in his head, it make, made sense to understand this as a torsion. Right. If one, if one Googles torsion, I'm pretty sure there will be some physics-related uh, uh, websites, right? Um, yeah. So in, in general, everything you were talking about is, of course, nothing you know about mathematics when you go to school. So um, what was your idea when you decided to become a mathematician? 
All right. So I think when I was in school, uh, mathematics was the subject that it was, so to say, a bit easier for me. Not that it's easy, of course, but uh, I would say that uh, I was putting less effort than his than memorized history, for example. So it was a bit more natural. Um, in general, I, I liked more mathematics and physics, for example. So I decided to move in this uh, direction. And uh, I think I got even more motivated in uh, my undergraduate studies uh, and my master's studies where I was a bit enthusiastic about basically learning and everything and, and curious about uh, about di- even different topics, like uh, not only geometry or algebra. Or uh, I was just very curious, I would say. Um, yes, so... I think it was just um, a matter of motivation and, and, and being enthusiastic somehow. And how did you decide for your university? Um, so I, I was born and grew up in Athens and um, somehow it was a natural choice to study uh, in the city, which is the, the capital of Greece also. So it was a bit natural, a natural choice somehow. No, I'm just uh, laughing because um, if you would ask a person from Berlin to study somewhere else than Berlin, they would consider you being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you see what I mean, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, And um, I think um, when you start to study mathematics, it looks quite different than from mathematics you have met at school. This is true. This is true. I think um, I'm not aware of every educational system how it is like like the transition period from school to university. Yeah. But I guess it's true for um, for many universities and many educational systems that the mathematics we are doing in school and the way we are doing is very different, right? So I think many students in the first year of university, they are like, okay, what I'm doing? And uh, it's a very different and very abstract. And um, somehow it's true, but... I think that uh, might be some improvements in that, like uh, to put a bit more abstract things in school, but not in a very difficult way. But in any case, this transition period should be in a, in a mathematical career path that at some point you pass to something more abstract and uh, you learn how to to work with this abstract way, like uh, theorem proof, proposition proof, and and like that. The idea of a proof, like a rigorous proof. So indeed, this is something that uh, for for many students, also for me, I mean, it, it was a thing. Um, but this can be fascinating also at the same time, something new, a bit more difficult maybe, but something that puts, uh, introduce you in a, in a more abstract way of thinking somehow. I have to say that in the in um, in high school in Greece, we had uh, a lot of geometry, Euclidean geometry which can be very abstract and very rigorous. And uh, there is this idea of the proof, like a rigorous proof. So this is a good idea, I think. it's. I like the idea, the thing that we had this in school, Euclidean geometry. We had a few of these um, um, things like um, proof things in the triangle, traditionally, and in, in circle and circle with triangle, things like that. But everybody hated that except me. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, and then it's also that uh, somehow as children you ask yourself, why is this interesting? Why should we know this? 
and, it, and nobody really tells you it's not about proving this property, but it's about making order in your head to know I have given this and what can I conclude if I have given certain facts and um, to, not to jump, but to really conclude from one step to the other and to be able to convince, for example, the other pupils or the teacher or your parents that it's true. This is the thing that uh, I think in general holds this, right? That uh, I, with mathematics, you learn how to think, like how to, to put your thoughts in an order. And as you said, to, to have uh, some data and then a conclusion. Um, I think the, the more messy thing in, in school is when, uh, when students say uh, they have to deal with symbols and they don't have to deal with some multiplications, rules and everything, and then some symbols are involved and everything becomes a bit more abstract and then they are lost. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Depends on, on, on the educational system, on the teacher. Might be that... Edu the educational system in high school in the first year of university um, will be some um, it needs some improvement and uh, I don't know for some countries and but in any case at some point it should be like that that at some point you have to deal with something more abstract and be introduced in a more abstract world in mathematics yeah, because to be able for example to calculate at least in a certain way uh, without a calculator You know, not just big numbers or something, but you have to have an idea if you put certain sets together, what the amount should be approximately. So, And you need just, just to go shopping and things like that. Um, but if you can do this, then you can build on that because then you can grapple with these things and then you can go to what you call more abstract. I would say it's more like the meta, so, so to say, yes. To, to work with, with other things which behave in a similar way. And that's kind of the speciality of mathematics, to see this everywhere. Things which be, behave in, a, in the same way or in a similar enough way that you can learn from one configuration to the next one. Right, right. Especially with Euclidean geometry, for example, you see, as you say, that uh, some students might be like, okay, why do I need that? And uh, uh, what's the point of all this? I think that uh, it depends on how one teaches this kind of objects, that the students might see some, some beauty in that also, in, in geometry itself. Um, yeah. Like all these geometrical objects and uh, and this absolute thing that they have, this that they're a bit absolute and very abstract. So apart from applications, because we are always asking for applications, yes, applications are very important, but uh, somehow... I think that uh, the world and humanity moved not only with applications, but with some very abstract ideas like mathematics, philosophy, astronomy. Yeah. I always think that we are um, going forward or we are driven by questions. Right. And of course, uh, a lot of the questions are from applications, but not all. So one application could be, uh, how do I live a good life? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and I'm curious about something and then I, I spend time thinking about it and mathematics can be one way of answering a few of these questions. Um, what did catch you for your field of research during your study time? Um, what did catch me? Um, I think when I, when I wanted to continue for uh, master studies, um, It was clear to me that I want to continue for a master, that I want to see some something more and not just f 
uh, complete my studies with uh, uh, the bachelor uh, degree. Uh, so I decided to continue for master studies, and uh, again I was very curious for everything. I think it was a point that uh, I was uh, like searching a lot and trying to read books and more um, books um, written in English, not in Greek anymore. Because as a bachelor student, basically we had like uh, uh, textbooks in Greek. But then I started reading uh, books in English. And I think that uh, at some point uh, I was reading uh, uh, the books of uh, Zeidler. He's a German mathematician. Yes, from Leipzig. From Leipzig. And, uh, Fat volumes. Yeah, exactly. He has many, many, many books. But the thing is that uh, these books, uh, they are so nicely written. Somehow very, not simple, but um, in a way that I could understand. And, uh, and I wasn't very much motivated because it was in every section was an application, a relations, relations to mathematical physics. Um, and somehow I was very much motivated. Uh, in these uh, topics, uh, I don't know, mathematical physics, functional analysis, and and this kind of things. Um, and I was very curious and enthusiastic. And then my master thesis um, was a bit more applied, in more applied direction, not exactly applied math. It was some... Um, some part that it was some uh, very easy MATLAB uh, section, but very easy. Um and uh, my master thesis was uh, related to variational principles and uh, some eigenvalues uh, problems, but more in uh, domains in uh, Rn and R2. Uh, but it was some spectral analysis involved. Somehow I didn't exactly, I was not exactly determined to do that. I was more like, I was led step by step or just because I was curious and reading stuff and uh, uh, and trying to understand more. Um, so then after um, completing my master's studies, I decided to continue for a PhD. And I was also a bit uh, curious and uh, interested to, to move in another country, more in Europe, and experience different uh, universities and uh, educational environment and, uh, and try to, to extend my knowledge as much as I can. Um, so then I applied for a PhD in Germany, in Bonn. And I was accepted, uh, and uh, I continue in more, like, I, I don't know exactly, not exactly the same topics, but analysis on manifolds and spectral analysis, but on, on manifolds, so global analysis. Um, this was a very nice period also, because, I don't know, I, a PhD period can be hard also, very stressful but can be very joyful because you learn new things, right? And you have much time, some years, and, and, and learn as much as uh, you can. Um, somehow, yeah, this was the how I was led uh, to these uh, topics. Um, in, uh, during the PhD studies, um, I also realized, because... You see, like the the beginning, the starting point was more spectral analysis, more spectral geometry, global analysis. But then I realized how much other things are involved, such as representation theory. Um, and uh, yeah, this was even more interesting uh, somehow. Uh, so it's it's one step leads to the other concerning the topics and, and mathematics. And what um, places 
did you work at after Bonn? Yes, then I was a, a, a postdoc researcher, postdoctoral post researcher at the University of Tübingen uh, in the group of Adam Deitmar. Um, where he, with Anton uh, we worked together and uh, uh, we were in the same topics and uh, it was a very nice uh, period. I like Tübingen a lot also, it's a very nice city and very academic, so to say. It's a student city totally, and uh, uh, with this, um, I would say, old traditional uh, university. Um, and uh, I enjoyed my time there, and also, I think uh, concerning mathematics, it was very nice that uh, I saw more representation theory kind of things, and a bit more algebraic, I would say, um, direction. Uh, I have been also as um, a visiting postdoc at uh, the Max Planck Institute in Bonn. In Bonn. In Bonn, okay. right. And uh, also at the IHES in France. Uh, very nice institutes, both. Uh, I think uh, the motivation uh, increases when uh, one is working there. There are so many talks around and uh, the, the environment is very much stimulating. Um, and now I'm based in, uh, in Denmark uh, at uh, Aarhus University uh, as a postdoc uh, researcher. And um, going to, so coming from Greece, going to Germany and Denmark, what are the biggest differences and what is uh, in principle the same? Uh, Yes, so differences. Certainly we're talking about very different countries. Uh, and also I was surprised because I could, I was expecting that uh, living in Denmark would be pretty similar like living in Germany, for example, because they're somehow in the, in the neighborhood, right? But nevertheless, it's not like that. And uh, I was a bit surprised. Um, my experience is that every country has... Um, Uh, there are many different things and some things uh, you can cooperate with, some things it's more difficult to cooperate with. Uh, they're very different, but in any case, it's, it's very interesting. It's an, an interesting journey somehow. Coming from Greece to Germany, um, certainly the way of life is different than a Mediterranean country. Um, I think that everybody, also me at least, there will be some difficulties in the beginning with the language, for example, that if one wants to be integrated and uh, um, not to be so isolated and not so, I would say, following uh, like uh, staying at the office, working at the office and then home. So I think that one should find a balance between working life and personal life. So one should learn the language, then this might be in the beginning a bit difficult. Um, so this are this might be some difficulties or the different way of life, for example, that uh, I don't know uh, the way that uh, people expressing themselves, cultural differences. Um, but nevertheless, despite these differences and m some maybe difficulties, it's also very interesting. Um, sometimes can be difficult, but I think mostly it's interesting to experience different countries and different educational systems. 
Uh, and from a mathematical point of view, I think it's important to move. Uh, at least this is my experience and maybe my advice that um, especially for master, PhD, and maybe postdoc, not forever maybe, but for a finite time, my postdoc life, it's important to move, to experience different uh, universities and environments and to meet more people. Um, I think that one changes as a person and also as uh, a mathematician, matures more, I think. Yes. I have been working at Bonn University uh, from 1997 to the year 2000. And my um, um, impression there was that uh, there were only a few women mathematicians. Of course, it has been a place where international persons uh, were always um, very welcome and there were a lot of them, more than at other German places. This is also changing just now. So even other German universities have more and more Uh, people from abroad uh, working there, but Bonn always had a lot of international students, PhD students, and even professors. But there were really a few women there. Um, I think uh, it has improved a little bit, but what was your experience there? My experience was that in Bonn, um, I think that concerning bachelor studies, There were not so few women. There were there were like um, uh, girls that they they wanted to study mathematics and so on, and for and in the, the master studies level, um, I think for PhD students, as always, is getting less. But I think this is not only in Bonn. This is everywhere. Like the higher you are going to in, the, in the academic life, I think uh, women they they tend to not to continue, not to continue. Mm. Um, which is sad, of course. Um, Bonn is a special case because it's such a nice place for mathematics, and there are so so many institutes and universities, and the university is so active. And uh, I, I don't know. I think that uh, how many institutes are in Bonn, like four or something, for mathematics. So it's perfect. So statistically speaking, there might be more women also in a, in a higher. Um, a level like a, a PhDs and postdocs and researchers. Um, at the Max Planck, I think uh, the majority were men. The majority was men. There were more, more men, uh, postdocs. Um, yes, so this is true. At the Max Planck, I think the, there were less women. Um, Nevertheless, I think that uh, Bonn was was a nice place, and there were more women cons comparing with other places. Um, an experience that I, I could share is like uh, being in, me being in a conference, and uh, apart from the organizer, I was the only woman. So I remember because at some point I was like, okay, where are the other women? I mean, uh, they're only basically only men, and only one woman, me. And the organizer, you see, like the organizer usually is around and organizing and uh, and not giving a talk, for example. Um, so, uh, Bonne, yeah, it's a special case, but I think in general it's something that, it's a fact that uh, women are a minority, especially in a PhD level or postdoc level or, or even more a professorship level. It's getting harder for a woman for for several reasons, of course. It's not something that it's random. It's, there are some reasons for that. Um, 
Yeah, and the reason is that there are many reasons. Like um, starting from the fact that usually women are a minority, there is not so much networking uh, or not always a networking supporting this woman to continue. Um, so you you don't have somebody to be advised and to advise you and and to say to you or um, to give an advice what to do as a as a next step in your career, uh, which is very important. Like for me, networking is very important. And my experience in in Tubingen, where uh, it was a organized uh, math mentoring program, for me it was very helpful. Um, so usually when there are these kind of programs and uh, some associations established, then women and female mathematicians, they have some advices, some support, and this helps a lot. It helps a lot also the minority not to be a minority anymore, like to be more women in mathematics. Are you involved as a mentee or as a mentor? As, uh, both. Both. I... Yes, I, I was a mentee and uh, I was a mentor also. Because the program in Tübingen is organized that um, as a mentee, you have someone talking to you on the next level so that the distance is there, but it's not so far. It's very important uh, because uh, exactly, for example, I was like a mentor for a PhD student when I, because I was a postdoc. And uh, of course, as a PhD student, uh, female mathematician, You have many questions like, okay, what to do next uh, concerning uh, finance, concerning personal life, concerning having a family, many things. And of course, as a postdoc, it's also not easy sometimes. And uh, having advices is very important. And uh, yeah, I had a mentor that was next level, so a professor. It was very helpful. And do you have any um, things you learned there, either as a mentor or um, as a mentee, you would like to share because it was really surprising or was something where afterwards you thought, but it's so typical? Um, I, so initially, it was something new for me, so I didn't know it. Um, but uh, also initially the idea I liked it initially so then my experience was that uh, it was working and this I liked it very much it was working in the sense that everybody was feeling better more motivated and uh, more women were encouraged to continue maybe or even not in academia necessarily uh, also in industry but uh, to, to, to have some support some um, some advices um, Also in practical issues, this is also very important, because when uh, women are a minority, then uh, there are some practical things that uh, nobody can give you an advice for these things, and this was very important. Um, so at the end, I liked it very much. Um, I didn't expect to, that I was so much motivated for that, and uh, I, I think that it's a very good idea. Um, right now, we establish uh, an association in Greece, so Greek Women in Mathematics, And uh, we are for that to establish uh, and networking. And uh, I think it's very important and very helpful. And what uh, should I expect? How many uh, women are there in Greece which do mathematics? 
Well, uh, this, I, should, I, I should see the numbers, the statistics. I'm pretty sure that uh, I, I know um, um, a professor from Thessaloniki, Harahara Lambus, that she has already some statistics. Unfortunately, right now I'm not aware of this. Um, my experience and what I'm, I know as a, as a Greek woman in mathematics is that, again, is the same, that uh, as for bachelor's uh, studies, there more women, more girls that they want to study mathematics, but then as you go higher, it's getting less. Um, nevertheless, there are many women uh, in mathematics in Greece in, in every aspect, like students or PhD students or um, um, postdocs, professors in industry, working in, in companies and in industry. Uh, so this association totally makes sense to me, and I'm very happy that uh, we established that. Um, so I think that uh, I will grab the opportunity to advertise this association also. <laughs> um, we, we should certainly, and uh, I think it will be very helpful, helpful and nice to, to establish this uh, networking. Um, we already uh, started some activities. Uh, like we had also our first podcast uh, with uh, Maria Vlasius. So she's um, um, Greek. Um, prof- she's, she comes from Greece, but uh, she's based uh, in Holland. And she's a professor in Eindhoven and Feide. Um, so we had uh, our first podcast and we organized many activities. Uh, an activity uh, like that is uh, the Greek May 12. So um, it will be an uh, online event and uh, we'll have uh, some talks, uh, more like a um, um, uh, sort of colloquium uh, talks. Uh, I think, yes, I think one. Uh, certainly. Uh, so one can find information about this event uh, in our website, uh, Greek Women in Mathematics. I think if one Googles, Googles this, uh, Greek Women in Mathematics, uh, the first thing that um, appears is uh, the Facebook uh, page. page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, the, the events are there, so one can find information. And uh, everybody's very welcome to register. Greek or not, woman, woman or not, of course. Um, and then we organize also a conference uh, in July in Greece, which is which will be also in presence, but also virtual via Zoom. Uh, so sort of hybrid event. And there will be some talks from uh, Greek women in mathematics that are based either in Greece or abroad. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you are working... Uh, on the whole world that if you want to meet you have to have the opportunity to come there online as well yes yes and i think it's a very nice also um idea that uh, some people can uh, just connect online and uh, attend some talks and just attend the event and uh, um, see what the greek woman in mathematics uh, what we are doing and what uh, our activities are yes perfect so thank you for your time, for talking enthusiastic about spectral geometry and about um, your home country and uh, what you're doing in order to improve the situation for women in mathematics. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a great pleasure. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, uh, I would like to say that, uh, okay, being a, like a woman in mathematics sometimes can be hard. 
but uh, one should try to continue and keep working and being motivated and uh, also uh, attend all these associations and be a member of this uh, all this association. It's very helpful uh, because somehow you are, we are integrated in a community that it's supporting. So it's, I think it's very important. Thank you. Thank you very much.